You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Just believe it. Believe it. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Just believe it. Believe it. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Just believe it. Believe it. Hi Makers, Jewel on the OML Dream Team here, welcoming you back to the official OML podcast, the first one of 2019. Now, a lot of you guys may not even know that we have a podcast, but we do, and we've had some wonderful guests on it over the past few years. The OML podcast has been my baby and sort of labor of love, but as the OML movement has grown, our podcast has not gotten the love it deserves, but we are back, and my team and I thought that there was really no better way to breathe life back into our podcast and with a rocking awesome special guest of Hold On To Your Needles, Jimmy Beans Wool. Jimmy Beans Wool is one of our top OML 2019 sponsors and this podcast episode is here large in part to their support and I had the amazing pleasure to chat with Laura Zander, the chief knitter of Jimmy Beans Wool. She and I just had this amazing, real, raw, transparent, and inspirational conversation and the biggest thing that I took away from my convo with Laura is that With hard work and research and pushing through difficult life moments and mistakes, you can do whatever you want in your maker life. No one will promise us that the journey will be easy, but in a way that's what makes it great is that when you reach your success goals, however you define that, and you get there without it being a breeze, it feels good. It feels worthwhile. So... I want to jump right into our recorded conversation, the one that I have with Laura. It's about 50 minutes, and I do hope you enjoy it. Laura will be in the building at OML Calgary this year, and I can't wait to meet her in person and give her the biggest hug. Thank you again so much to you, Laura, and the entire Dream Team at Jimmy Beans Wool for all that you do for the maker and OML community. Here's our combo. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Hi, how are you? Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited too. The honor is truly, truly ours. We're so excited that um, you're going to be at OML Calgary this year. Um, So I just sort of want to jump right into it. And um, for those of you listening, um, we won't spill the beans too much (laughs) about your... Uh Um, about being a, a, a sponsor speaker this year, but um, I guess maybe we just sort of, if you want to talk a little bit about um, your story with Jimmy Beans and, and how you started there, and then we can talk about some other fun stuff. You got it. Um, oh, I'm starting to sound Canadian. You got it. You got it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I grew up, I, you know, we were just talking, and um, I grew up not too far away from where you grew up in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and then ended up migrating to the West, to San Francisco, and learned how to knit. Actually, I learned how to crochet when I was in Texas. I lived in Houston, and was an intern for the ATF mm. uh, my senior year in college, and the secretary there taught me how to crochet. So I was like a crocheting fiend, and then <laughs> moved to San Francisco, um, went into a knitting store, and um, I had never 
I didn't know that knitting stores existed. Mm. So this was in like 1999. Mm -hmm. So when I was crocheting, I would just go, you know, I'd go to Walmart, I'd go to Michael's, whatever was around in Texas and get the big balls of red heart. Um, and then was living in San Francisco, started to look around for a yarn shop. Cause I saw this scarf that was made in a Martha Stewart magazine. <laughs> um, yes, Martha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I stumbled upon, I eventually found the store called Atelier and I walked in and it was like the angels were singing. Wow. I mean, I walked in and it was like, oh, <laughs> you know, like the yarn was so different from being in like the halls of Walmart. Yeah. You know, like yes. it was just such a different, like ethereal experience. And I saw like this, you know, beautiful sweater and blah, blah, blah. And so I signed up for a class right away. Did not even know that this whole subculture existed. Mm. Um, I would have never guessed, mm -hmm. like never in a million years. So long story short, eventually my husband and I moved from San Francisco up to the Lake Tahoe area. And um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I built, I had been a software engineer in San Francisco. So I built a website for a woman named Lorna Miser who mm. had started Lorna's Laces Yarns out yes. of Chicago. Yes. Which is now in Chicago. <laughs> I know that team over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She convinced me we became pretty good friends and she was like, you should open a yarn shop. I'm like, I'm not going to open a yarn shop. You know, who yeah. opens a yarn shop? Like, <laughs> or, you know, what is that? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, but I started to do some research and looked around and, you know, we kind of figured it out and um, ended up opening this little teeny yarn shop in downtown Truckee. And I also had an espresso cart in the shop because I had done a website for an espresso cart manufacturer. <laughs> so he traded me my work for an espresso cart. And it's been past seven years, so I don't think that I can get in trouble like IRS wise. Um, <laughs> and then Lorna gave me some yarn. Mm -hmm. So I opened up this little teeny spot with an espresso cart, some couches from like my neighbor's front porch. I mean, it was super trashy. Um, and then a ton of Lorna's laces and some brown sheep yarn that Diane Susie had convinced me to buy. Uh. Yeah. So that was 17 years ago. It was 2002. Wow. Um, crazy. So like my business is now old enough to drive. <laughs> exactly. And driving you are, you are really paving the way um, to, I think, it's really beautiful to hear you talk about, um, you know, how you didn't know how this sort of sub subculture existed. I feel like I have a similar story sort of with North Knits and then subsequently OML of just um, not knowing of all the amazing, amazing artists and makers out there. But uh, would you say that you did you have any reservations or nervousness about doing this or were you just like, I'm going for it because I always talk about how I was completely avoiding my calling and very nervous and not wanting to start anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was probably too naive to be nervous. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't really remember being super nervous. I think I was probably just too naive. Um, you know, and sometimes when you don't know what you don't know, you don't know you should be nervous. Mm. So I just kind of jumped into it. Yeah. And I think maybe I was kind of like, I mean, worst case scenario is we lose some money and I lose some time, but I end up with a ton of yarn in my stash. Yeah. So I'm like, that's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that bad, especially yeah. um, that's so awesome to hear of how you started with, with crochet. And then so did you, was it a long time of 
between from when you started crocheting to when you started knitting and did someone teach you or did you teach yourself knitting? Um, with the crochet, I learned to crochet in 1995, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it was the spring of 1995. And then I must have learned how to knit. It was 1999. Oh, wow. So like four years. Yeah. Four solid years. Yeah. I mean, probably about 300 blankets. <laughs> you know? Like I made blankets for everybody. That's so awesome. Well, so I learned the reverse. I learned how to knit first and I taught myself through like YouTube how to knit. I went to one knit night in my dorm and all she did was teach us how to cast on, but it was my first experience with anything yarn and needles. So I was like hooked from the beginning. I was like, oh my gosh. So I went to Joann's and spent all yeah. my money, but I eventually spent like the next five years making these like weird colored green scarves for my mom in South Carolina where it's like a hundred degrees. So I'm like, mom, I don't see you wearing your scarf. <laughs> Just like, yeah, it's, yeah, I know. Right? It's hot outside, but okay, I'll wear it. <laughs> um, and then I learned how to crochet when I moved here to Chicago. So, but I would say it was yeah, maybe about that same amount of time from where I, yeah. from when I learned. So I wonder if, the, if that's the universe, if we have a little bit of time from learning one craft to the other. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, now looking back and being a little bit older, I realized like crochet was always more difficult for me. I had a really mm. hard time learning it. Mm. Um, knitting, I took a class and it just clicked. And now I realize it's because, like, I've got a really math kind of left brain. I'm very, I'm an engineer, mm -hmm. you know, at heart and very mathematical and very structured. Mm. So the knitting makes sense. Crochet is harder for me because it can be more freeform and there's so much more art, art to it. Yes. Um, and I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> you know, I'm a classic knitter that, like, that, that we all make fun of all the time where I will only make the pattern in the yarn and the color that is shown in the picture. <laughs> Like, I can't do it any other way. It You have no idea how much anxiety it causes me to substitute colors. Oh, I my goodness. That is yeah. so funny to hear where I feel like I'm the complete opposite of where I'm sitting there looking at the pattern, overanalyzing, like, how I can adapt this to use the uh -huh. yarn. And then I'm like, well, maybe scary. I can just create my own new pattern from this just so I can. Oh, my God, that is so scary. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, and I've learned to venture down. I've started to explore patterns where if I realize um, I don't have the needle size that it calls for, of trying yeah. to, but I may have the yarn or even just the yarn weight um, that I'll try to practice on experimenting with still reaching that uh, gauge. Sure. With, okay. with increasing or decreasing my needles and using different weights. But it's, it's taken me over a decade to get there <laughs> because uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of nerve wracking. So I could see how that could could be quite scary for you. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> and I would I would still say I wish I was more of the creative free flow thinker, but I'm one of those over analyzer knitter crocheters where I just I'm just overthinking everything. And sometimes I think that ends up making me put the work down because I'm like it just has to feel right and then it's like well I'm also just overthinking it the pattern is literally right in front of my face like they've done the work for me do you think that a lot of us are probably overthinkers and that's why we knit or crochet is to make I mean it's the meditative like quit freaking thinking and just just do something you know yeah I mean I would love to get your thoughts on that because I would certainly say yes um it's certainly why I got into knitting because I never, I have yet to discover anything 
maybe only um, other than reading the Bible for me, which is why I ended up bridging the two <laughs> with, yeah. with North Knits, because I have yet to find anything as meditative and as common, even though I'm doing something with my hands and I'm not like a creative person where I draw or do anything else where like you, you need a skill of being crafty with your hands. I just, I was never that type of person. Um, you know, I write, but my yeah. sister was an artist and singing and all those things, and I just was not that. <laughs> I never would consider myself a crafty person, I would say. I wasn't ever doing DIY projects or anything like that. Um, but I got into to the art for the, medi the, the meditative spirit of it, and it almost, even though I was doing something with my hands, it made me stop. So, yeah. you know, I, I could think I wasn't thinking about, what other people thought about me or my to-do list or obligations that I am responsibilities that I had to other people in my life. It was just about me and trying to get to a place of joy and peace and serenity and then being able to make something really beautiful in the process. So I would love to hear your thoughts about what, you know, if you think that is why a lot of us or most of us get into the craft. You know, I... I don't know if it's because that's people like you or who I surround myself by, but that's the story that I hear more often than not. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a tremendous amount of energy inside and there are some of us who like it for the art part, you know, and, but that's still getting lost, you know, that's getting lost in the craft. Yeah. You know, it's funny, but you and I were talking a little bit earlier um, before we started taping about kind of the global and timeless nature of making and yes. how it's a human, how it, I personally, I'm super passionate about, you know, traveling to different cultures and traveling to different countries and different countries within our country, you Absolutely. know, for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, and recognizing that making things, whether it's knitting or crocheting or it's pottery or, you know, it's beading is just so universal and it's so across time and it's so gender neutral. Um, and I wonder if part of that, I mean, that's like the human meditative spirit, you know, is, yes. is being able and being able to produce something, you know, so it's, it gives me a purpose, mm. you yeah. know, and I, I feel like it gives my time value. Um, and sometimes I take that to the extreme. I mean, maybe I should, I, I need to learn to do purposeless stuff a little more <laughs> often, but, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think so. I think that that's that whole kind of being one with the earth, if you will, you sure. know, and and focusing on the here and the now um, is something that kind of unites all of us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like you said, we were talking a little bit about before. It was so lovely to hear you talk about that and some places that you've traveled to and some places that you're planning to travel to in the future, because I think it has such a great connection with OML. And I think that's probably why the universe brought us together. <laughs> yeah. um, because, you know, that that is I would say such a core vision in the heart of OML. I, I felt from the very beginning, I didn't, I don't think my team and I knew every logical step-by-step -step task of how OML would be, but we felt that energy that you described of that there is this connection that we can't yeah. see, but we can feel and we can sense that it's something that is worldwide. And so we felt from the beginning, it was very important to have our OML meetups um, even if, you know, with them just being once a year to have them in different cities because we wanted to touch on that energy 
in every location that we went to and we took it a step further and said we want people who are a part of our community and know who we are to be a part of choosing where we bring that energy to and we want that to be a collaborative conversation between us and our followers so i think that's beautiful um you know that that's also a core value that you're passionate about because i think it's just truth i think it's i think it's real truth um which which leads me to another question of I think in that truth, a lot of makers sometimes struggle with trying to balance their purpose with somehow figuring out or utilizing their business to be, um, I'm sorry, or their love for this craft and the knitting and crocheting or macrame or what have you to be a brand and to be a business. So how have you um, addressed finding that balance? How have you handled that balance to where you're still serving your creative passion itself, but you're also being like a total girl boss, which you are. <laughs> and and what, what advice would you give to makers who are struggling to find that balance and trying to have um, a business in knitting and crochet? Um, that is a heavy, awesome question. And <laughs> one of the things that I... It's funny. I mean, I think that this is kind of the area that I'm the most passionate about. Um, global making and, and humanism, I think, is something that I'm super passionate about. But making a business mm-hmm. is just a cool challenge. Um, and so in terms of, like, how I've done it or not done it, I mean, you know, there's, of course, a billion more mistakes that I've made than than correct things. Um, but it's, it's, I just call it, it's, it's like knitting, you know, you're just constantly trying to improve your skills. So it's constant, never ending improvement. So I'm constantly reading books. I'm, I mean, literally, you know, this year, my goal was 52 books. Wow. Um, you know, so I try to read a book a week. Wow. Um, really? Yeah. I'd like to be able to read more. Like that doesn't seem like enough to me. I'm like, Oh, I could do more than that. <laughs> you know, I should be able to do more, but you know, I'm reading books about marketing and branding and I'm reading, you know, stories of other Richard Branson, you know, or, and from every level, you Mm -hmm. know, people who've got billion dollar companies to people who have an awesome pizza joint with a really great brand and a and have built a really big community. So I'm constantly learning, Mm. um, or at least trying to learn. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, one of the things that I think when I look back, uh, that has helped me a lot is I look outside of our industry a ton. Um, and I try to figure out because I can get too bogged down in, I guess, in specific details. Sure. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. looking inside of our industry. So I look at the ski industry a lot. Oh. I look at the mountain biking, like other passion led industries mm-hmm. and kind of see how they're mixing it up. Cause it's the same, you know, the running industry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I said, the photography industry. Yes. Definitely. The art and frame business, you know, <laughs> other like fly fishing. Wow, you know, it's a yeah. lot of small shops. There are some sh- small shops that have you know been around for 30, 40 years and have grown. And I just kind of study, you know, mm. I study what they've done, and then I kind of try to marry it with what feels right um, for us and for me. Um, and then for me, I also I try really hard. I shouldn't say I try really hard. What I've recognized that I do is if I see everybody running in one direction, I'm usually the one who turns around and goes the the other other way. way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, why do I want to go over there if everybody's doing this? Mm. Everybody's already doing it. So let me go find something that nobody else is doing 
So if I want to win a game, I want to create my own game. Like, I'm never going to win at horse, but maybe I'll win at pig because, you know, maybe I burn out too quickly. So let's invent a new game that I can win. Right. Um, Yeah. And then it's just kind of more fun. So I think, you know, reading, studying, looking outside. um, I'm a big, big proponent of really learning finance. Oh, wow. Awesome. um, You know, if you think about your business, and again, it's, it's been 17 years, so now I've got kind of some data points to <laughs> and I can look back at the mistakes that I've made and the things that have gone well. Absolutely. And I tend to think of the business as a plant and you have to feed it. There, You just can't, you know, so you have to make a profit. Mm-hmm. You have to have cash flow. You have to understand what money's coming in and what money's going out. It's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, it doesn't. I mean, we, and I've struggled with this before, but, you know, I have, I have 35 employees right now mm-hmm. and they all make, you know, good living wages, you know, if not like way more. Um, so that there's something to be said for that. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Just cause we employ more people than somebody who employs one person doesn't make us a bad business versus, you know, or make them a good business. Um, and I guess that's kind of a tangent, but no, no, I think it, I think it speaks to some really, some really obvious to some, and maybe less obvious to others, uh, truth. It's just truth. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're still respectful and which, you know, is a tenant of our business, like I would say when people come in for an interview, I'm like, the biggest reason that you will ever get fired is if you're disrespectful to anybody that works here Mm -hmm. or any of our customers or any of our suppliers. Um, and it's not just disrespect. It's that you have to have a fundamental belief that all humans are equal mm-hmm. and that we all have different talents and those talents are equally weighted. They're just different. Just cause I'm good at math and you're good at reading. Doesn't make me smarter. doesn't make you better. Right. They're just different. Um, right. and that's just who we are. Uh, so anyway, I completely yeah. agree with that. And I think that those are, um, points of conversation that as our community grows and changes and have and has conversations on these topics and around various topics but I I can remember at times that a sort of subtopic of I think of what you're hitting on is I don't I don't know how much of it was a reality versus being a perception for me but I sometimes sort of saw this divide line between makers who maybe only did it on the side as a hobby with you know maybe working a full-time job and then knitting or something that they did at night or just on the weekends versus people who were going full time, you know, and putting in 40, 50 hours to design patterns and, and, and the community having this conversation about accepting the fact that whether you're putting in, you know, two hours a week and it's just you, or if you're putting in 60 hours a week and you've got a team of, like you said, 30 people, and that's how you're feeding your family, you know, one person is not less experienced or less successful um, than the other. And I can remember hearing some of those conversations in the community and feeling this weight off of my shoulder because, you know, I've never really done knitting and crochet full time. And, um, I've, I've, I've never, I've never really seen myself needing to make a profit, you know, from, and I've all, I started it for just the love. And I felt like in order to keep that love in that center, 
I shouldn't make money off of it, not on a full-time basis. But I also think a part of that was this sense of inadequacy that because I wasn't necessarily starting off my business, doing it full-time, taking the plunge, going right into it, I felt this sense of inadequacy that continuously held me back. And even when people around me started to be like, you should do this full-time, you should do this full-time, why aren't you doing this full-time? I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I'm not qualified. I'm not there. So, um you know, it, it just leads me to so many other questions. I could talk to you and pick your brain about it all day. But would you, I think what I'm hearing you say is that you have to be willing to educate yourself and to realize that there is money to be made in your business and there's money to be invested in your business and to not be afraid of doing either. Yes. Um, there are a couple of parts to that, which I can yeah, we're exact. We're right on the same page. Um, one, I think, is yeah. There's money to be made. It's your choice whether that's the direction you want to go or not. I don't think one way is right or wrong. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. depending on where you are in your life or whatever. But um, if you want your business to, if you want to make it a business, mm -hmm. then it has to have fuel, and it has to have food. You know, and so to feed your business you simply have to have money, which is the fuel of business. It's mm. the currency. Mm -hmm. So to do that, and you know, the people that we buy stuff from, you know, it's all this big trickle down thing. So we sell stuff and then we buy it, we advertise, you know, all the money gets trickled down. So yeah, you know, we make a bunch of money and then that bunch of money goes to our suppliers on time so mm -hmm. that they can feed their families and they can, you know, they can pay their suppliers and then it goes to advertisers so they can do their art, mm -hmm. you know? So for me, it's this big art waterfall. Mm. Uh, yeah. I and, love that. Yeah. And so if the, the only thing, you know, if you, if you don't charge, so if you're designing patterns and you do just throw them all out there for free, you know, it's like being a singer and you go to the bar and you're always out there singing for free. And then the, you know, the girl next to you needs to make a living mm. and now all of a sudden she can't make a living because you're giving it away for free and why would anybody ever pay her, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Sure. Um, I totally get it. And I think that, you know, we're all on different paths and at different points in your life, you do do things, um, just for the love of it. Um, but in terms of business stuff, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta create that if, if there's no... If there's no money in there, then how are you going to pay other people, you right. know, and there's no water in the waterfall. It's all dried up. Yeah. You can't grow it. Does that make sense? It makes completely sense. I'm interested to see, and I'm sure the answer would be yes, but were there points, where there ebbs and flows within your business of where maybe you weren't hitting the numbers like you wanted to and, and how did you deal with that? Because I think even once we get past that point of being courageous, okay, I'm ready to open my Etsy shop and I'm ready to put my pattern on Ravelry or to collaborate with a great brand, you know, like Jimmy Beans, but then I'm not seeing the followers from it. I'm not seeing the money from it. I, I haven't gotten my sell yet. Like, where is my sell? <laughs> and then yeah. people get discouraged. So how have you addressed points in your business where you've done the research, you felt ready to take the leap, but you didn't see the return on it? Um, that has happened so many times, um, a ton of times. And honestly, I, 
think a big part of it is you know, my husband's from Wisconsin, um, and that's not the only reason that we, you know, <laughs> um, but we both happen to kind of have that old school ethic of if we can't pay for something in cash, we don't buy buy it, mm. so we don't have any debt, mm-hmm. um, and then, and we squirrel. I mean, I had, I've, you know, I got an, an IRA when I was 18. Wow. You know, I started my retirement fund when I was at NC State. Um, and I'd put 10 bucks a month in it or something. Yeah. So both he and I, when the times are good, we just squirrel money away and you squirrel it and you squirrel it and you squirrel it. And then when you throw something out there and it doesn't work, you've got something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to get, um, it, you know, there are just times where you got to eat ramen. Mm. I mean, they're just, that's just the way it is. There are times to eat steak and I've had those times and we've had times where we're eating ramen and going, bunking up two or three to a room. Um, and I think, you know, it's like anything else for me, it's kind of like running a race where you, I've started to learn how to be better at identifying when the drought is going to come. Wow. You know, and Mm -hmm. kind of taper off a little bit more. So start bunking up, start saving a little bit more money, start slimming down these expenses, start really taking a look at, you know, what advertising I'm going to do. Start really taking a look at, do I print my patterns or do I put them on PDFs, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of doing a financial analysis um, and looking at where every dollar goes. You know, when you're making, when things are going really well, you know, it's just like life. When things are going really well, you can go out to eat five nights a week. Right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you can tell they're not going to be going so well. So you're like, you know what? Let's let's have soup. Let's have <laughs> soup. Know? Let's eat soup at home. Let's let's be about that ramen life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ramen's great. Ramen's so great. How? In, in addition to that, because I think that that's phenomenal um, advice. How have you handled? when it's the, the drought seasons, even when you can foresee that, how have you handled that emotionally? Because I also know for a lot of makers, myself included, um, there were times when I wanted to quit because I didn't see the return on the investment as fast. So I didn't see the followers. I felt other people were becoming more successful more quickly than I was. I'm like, really? I like spend 10 hours trying to get the perfect photo and they just showed a picture of their elbow <laughs> and then I was like, and, the, and it's dark lighting and they got 3000 yeah. likes. And so I'm like, you know, when is it going to be my time? And I, and a lot of makers pose this question to, to us on the OML team of how do you, how do you deal with that? When you feel like you've been putting in the work and you've been thinking um, intuitively and constructively with your money, but you're still not seeing the numbers in the way that you feel should be there. And now it's starting to affect you emotionally. How have you dealt with that? Uh, I cry. <laughs> and curl up into a little ball in the corner of my living room <laughs> and then cry and cry and don't want to get out of bed. And I'm like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. I suck. I'm horrible at this. You know, I mean, I don't. Uh, just have a total breakdown day after day after day after day. And then eventually you get up and you realize if I truly, truly believe that the numbers aren't where I think they should be, if I'm, I have that conviction, then I just fucking get up mm-hmm. and put my pants on. I finally take a shower um, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. Like, yeah. Oh no, I believe you. I've been there too. Yeah. 
yes sobbing Mm -hmm. you know just can't do it can't do it I can't do it I suck I suck I suck and then you eventually take a nap or a few naps you wake up and you're like you know what screw everybody else I'm doing this yeah I don't care anymore I know it can be done so I'm gonna do it and it and then it just becomes a Michael Jordan Wayne Gretzky like you miss every shot you don't take I'm just going to keep shooting. I'm going to keep shooting. And eventually one of these damn balls is going to go in. (laughs) And I, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to fail for a lack of trying, Hmm. you know, but you have to believe in it, you know, and you know, you know, when an idea really does have legs and when one doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's another kind of intuitive. And as artists, I mean, we're probably more intuitive than others. Um, You know, you know, when you're just kind of faking, you know, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, why are you doing it? Why do you need so many likes? Is it because you want the money? Is it because you want people to like you? Is it because you need the validation, you know, if you're doing it? Or is it because you just love the art? Right. Sometimes it's a, if I just give up on the goal, sometimes the goal comes to you. Or at least for me, that's the way it's been. And that's where I'm at right now. You know, the last couple years have been really hard. I mean, this time last year, I was curled up in a ball day after day after day. Just, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I would quit if I could, but I can't. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you own the company, you can't just quit. (laughs) You can't just quit when you have people relying on you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. I I hear my mom in my head on those days when I'm curled up in a ball in in freezing Chicago when it's 15 below. So I'm already literally having the, the blues. I so yeah. I'm depressed because it's cold and I can hear my mom saying, get up, wash your face, drink some water yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and, and try to make this thing work. And I, I love everything that you said. Um, I always tell people when people ask us where the idea for the make book came, which are the print books that Kelly and I on the team sort of hone as our baby and our labor of love. But I really went to the team after kind of pitching the idea a little bit here and there. We kind of said, oh, yeah, it'd be cool to do a print book. But it literally tangibly happened in the midst of me getting laid off from my full-time job. And it was in the midst of me on the floor, crying, sobbing, saying, like, my world has ended. How am I going to survive here in Chicago without a a regular paycheck? Like, this is it. I came here and I risked it all. And it's over. It's over. It's over. (laughs) And I can remember hearing this voice in my head that said, get up. This is the time that you've been wanting. You've been saying forever you wanted time where you could work on a book for the community. You got it now. Get up. Wash your face. (laughs) I think there's a book out there called Girl, Wash Your Face. I've got it right there, actually. Oh, who who is the author again? It was Rachel Hollis. Rachel, yeah. Girl, wash your face, drink some water, and go out and make this work. And we, we had a book in less, you know, maybe eight months after I had been thinking about it, you know, for two or three years. But I just would have never thought in a million years. I look back and I'm like, wow, that's when we started working and creating the book. Yeah. I was so sad and cold and crying like every yeah. single day and not wanting to take a shower because I'm like, my world has ended, you know, just when you yeah. have the, the stability rug pulled from under you. So I, I think that's amazing of of how you said, essentially, it's okay to feel like a wreck and a mess. Well, how else do you, I mean, I don't know. I, you asked me, we were talking earlier about balance Mm -hmm. and you're like, how do you balance? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm constantly tipping one end or the other and falling off. And just, I mean, there are moments, 
there are moments where things, you know, seem really clear and great, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a constant, just kind of tightrope walking. Um, and you fall, I mean, I don't know what to do about it. I think I'm just, now that I'm getting a little bit older, um, or a lot bit older, uh, <laughs> Same I'm, <Z. laughs> I'm learning to accept that, you know what the reality is I've been traveling a lot now and I've finally been getting, like, I'm going to be gone for the next, for 27 out of the next 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have learned that I will simply at the end of it, I will be exhausted and I will be in tears at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not want to get out of bed for about two days. Yeah. And instead of feeling ashamed of that and like being embarrassed and instead of fighting it, um, now I just accept it. And I'm like, you know what? This is just part of the process. I'm like an athlete, you know, mm-hmm. and after you do the tour de France, um, you have to have some recovery and that's just the way it is. And sometimes recovery is like cathartic crying. <laughs> I totally agree. I can remember at the first OML event in New York City, we were so stressed. We planned this event with none of us living in New York City. <laughs> and we were trying to find a venue in Manhattan and somehow we pulled it off and we had wonderful sponsors and everyone who bought a ticket showed up because I was like, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be the five of us, you guys. Like, Joke's on us. <laughs> no yeah. one's going to come. And then people were like, oh, my God, it's like a line outside the door. I can't breathe. So, but I can remember I was the last person who left our hotel because we kind of got a group hotel thing going. And I can just remember feeling so utterly exhausted, but I just cried my eyes out because I was n- partly in shock and in awe that we had actually done it, but also partly just so exhausted and just overwhelmed with emotions that I couldn't do anything, but it it seemed uncontrollable. I just hit the floor. I just hit the floor and I said, we did that. We did that. And again, I heard this little voice. I I think the Lord speaks to me. Um, I know everybody has different faiths, but I felt like the Lord was like, yeah, you did it and get up because you're going to do it again. You're going to do it next year and it's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Wait, what? I didn't say I was ready for that, but you know, no, I, I, I have learned to give myself grace after each event to experience those emotions, to, um, cry, cry. And, and and whether that's crying from exhaustion or thankfulness or confusion or worry about what you're going to do next or thinking about what you could have, could have done better. It's okay. It's okay to just, just cry. (laughs) Well, and recognizing, at least for me, you know, cutting myself some slack as well, or giving myself grace that that whole get up process Mm -hmm. may take me a month. It may take me a year. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily like I'm going to fall on the floor and cry and I'm going to get up by dinner. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, it's going to take as long as it needs to take. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really hearing, I'm just loving these things. If you haven't started writing your book, you should. (laughs) Um, especially with the insane amount. And I mean, I will love for people who are listening to this to let us know, but I'm like struggling over here to get an audio book in. <laughs> so the fact that oh, you're yeah. reading this many books and are you, are they physical books? Like, are you sitting down reading them? Um, I'll, I do a combo of audio books and then um, physical books. That's, yeah. a, that's amazing. And I think that's a good challenge for anyone out there because a lot of times we are in our own heads and we think we have the answer figured out. But if we that moment that we stop learning and stop right. pulling away from the story, um, I, I I went to college and grad school for journalism, and one of the things my editors would always say to me when things started to look clunky and messed up in stories is you're too close. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's too weighed down, too much stuff that the viewer doesn't care about, and it's not going to help you on the bottom end nor our paper. So pull back, take a right. second, go back and re-educate yourself on the story, and then come back and do it again so that it, can, that it can be better. And you don't have a lot of time to do it. <laughs> so hurry up. Right. Do that fast. <laughs> do that fast. Um, yeah. So I, I love that because I think sometimes as makers, we get to this point where we feel we know all the stitches, we know how to do certain patterns, we've learned the rivalries and all of the websites of how we can grow our brand and create our business and we stop, we stop learning. Um, so I, I really love that because I definitely know I felt that as a maker that I've arrived. I've arrived. <laughs> There's nowhere else for me to go, but I feel stuck. So now I'm just confused and I'm in this weird limbo of like not knowing what to do. But I think um, that's amazing that maybe the answer that a lot of us are looking for to get unstuck is to read and to go and right. learn some more. And I love how you talk about different ways that you're learning through finance and other businesses and in books and also seeing the larger world. That's so important. Right. Um, when yeah. you're trying to think about how to grow your brand and business and to stay sane. <laughs> travel is phenomenal. I mean, travel is amazing. It is like in terms of boosting creativity and it doesn't have to be fancy travel, you know, mm -hmm. but to see how other people create stuff out of nothing, you know, to see how you just learn so much. I mean, it sparks so much creativity that and like study your favorite pizza place. You know, see mm -hmm. what, what are they doing? Like, are they changing the font on their menus? Are they doing a once a week kind of, you know, what, what draw, this is what I do. You mm -hmm. know, I'm like, oh, whenever I see something like in a place that I go eat that is really inspiring or catches me, you know, they're like, I don't know, Wednesday is wild mushroom day or something. I'm like, oh, love the alliteration. I should do some alliteration, mm -hmm. you know? And so like taking that little lesson and figuring out how to incorporate it into our business um, is the fun part. Yeah. That's the creative part. Yeah. I love that. I think that is a complete golden ticket, <laughs> a golden negative of, of things, um, that could be encouraging for, um, a lot of makers out there listening. And, uh, do you have any, any makers right now or brands that inspire you or that are currently inspiring you? And since you're repertoire of education goes so far I won't lock you into just makers <laughs> it can be non-makers oh. <laughs> yeah that's a you know it's a great question um I just I I'm inspired by like right now I'm really inspired by um you know a lot of the storytelling clothing brands mm -hmm. you know so good human Mm -hmm. Um, you know, at a surface level, I don't know a lot about them at, you know, at the super deep levels, mm -hmm. but of course it's the Patagonias of the world. Uh, and, and, um, there's a book called small giants that I read years ago. That's about, and you know, now it's becoming in vogue to mm -hmm. not try to become, uh, you know, some big, huge corporate giant, sure. but people who have figured out how to really shine in their little area. So, yeah, um, I don't know. There's so many. I'm inspired constantly. I'm like right now. I'm listening to this book called Hunger mm. um, by Roxane Gay. Okay, uh, she's a phenomenal writer, and her story has nothing to do with business, 
it's she's a writer, so I guess she's a maker in that sense. Sure. But there's so much courage and so much enormous storytelling that I'm drawing all kinds of like great inspiration for business and for life out of that. Sure. So I, I like a lot of memoirs. Yeah, um, and those are the those are the people that inspire me. Yeah, I I absolutely love it because that was one of the things that always fueled me as a journalist and still still does is you know as reporters you're taught to learn a lot or learn a little bit about a lot of things and so I felt being in that career field um, I was you know literally being paid <laughs> to learn about different people and in different stories and different ways that they're impacting and changing the world. And I think intuitively I've brought a lot of that into my maker life, into how I even address things with OML and, you know, what OML is and what we want it to become. And it's always been about being very inclusive of, of different, like we just all have so many different cool backgrounds and different lifestyles and so many different things inspire us. And it all does this beautiful mashup of, of making us so diverse and individualistic and beautiful. And it's, it's so inspiring to see and be a part of, and to know that that's a true reflection of our community. Um, so that's awesome. I love that. Um, I really want to be respectful to your time and I love the conversation that we're having. I guess my last question would be, uh, what's on your needles right now? Anything that you're (laughs) Uh. knitting or crocheting? Yes, I have two projects that I don't know when they're ever going to get finished, but they will actually have three projects. I have um, a hat made out of unique, chunky, so it's um, the earth yarns. Mm. I've become friends with a family that makes that, and it's amazing. I have Mm -hmm. like four rows left, and I've had four rows left for about two months. (laughs) And then I have (laughs) a Cardiff cashmere I bought at Stitches SoCal in mm. October, November from the Great Yarns booth. My friend um, Fontel has owned that store for forever. So, you know, I went in and bought, it way too, I spent way too much money <laughs> on a bunch of cashmere and I've been making something and now I'm buying, yeah, anyway. Uh, and then I went to Ireland a couple weeks ago and met with, Beata, who owns Hedgehog Fibers. Oh my gosh! Wow. Some we picked out. She picked out a project for us both to do, and it's called the Somber Shawl. Um, And she picked out colors for her, and then colors for me. And I just saw on Instagram that she finished hers uh, (laughs) like a week ago. And so now I'm trying to finish mine. Now the pressure is on. Yeah, I mean, Hedgehog, talk about a dream. I wasn't privy to the beauty and the magic of Hedgehog until I did. um, Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe the name is escaping me. But when it's basically where you exchange yarns, it's kind of like you have a yarn pen pal. I'm yeah, yeah. My team is going to get me for not remembering the name. But um, the the person who um, I was supposed to get them yarn I said, if you had your dream yarn, if you could have your dream yarn, what would it be? And they said, um, hedgehog. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, yay. I don't, I didn't know what it was, but I said, I think I remember going to the local yarn store and seeing that, but I can't remember. And so I went to the yarn store and I asked them, I was like, do you guys by chance have anything called hedgehog? And they said, yeah, we got a whole wall of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is breathtaking yarn and 
I have not yet had the pleasure to actually work with it because I've been trying to work up my confidence <laughs> to Aww, work I'll with such amazing yarn. Okay, I will hold you to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it is it is beautiful, beautiful yarn for sure. So that's really amazing. I also have I have a lot of projects, forever projects is what my team and I like to call them. But I do have two two current projects right now that I'm trying to finish, and I'm like you, they I've been trying to finish them for at least. A month and a half now <laughs> yeah. so I kind of made my first dive into trying to do my own project with um, with like um, medium weight yarn where it's not like completely chunky but um, yeah it's just like more of a merino I'm trying to I can't believe I'm forgetting the weight but like a worsted weight a worsted weight yes yeah yeah um, so I've just been sort of making this it's turning into kind of like I guess like a shawl part shawl part scarf <laughs> A scarf, awesome. but wider. But I sometimes feel like when I'm in different shops in the office, it gets cold. And I'm like, oh, it would be lovely if I just had something I could wrap around me. Right. It be a nice office scarf. So I said, hey, maybe I'll try to knit one. So it's just, it's a very easy, you know, kind of mindless knitting just with stockinette. Yeah, um, perfect. Yeah. And That's I, all I'm capable of. <laughs> yes. And I keep telling myself, ooh, maybe I should throw some nice cable and a ribbon in here. But as I do yeah. each row, I'm like, nah, I'm just going to keep doing stockinette. Yep. Um, and then I'm working with one of my favorite yarns, um, We Are Knitters, their Simone Cardigan. And again, it's also yeah. one of those sort of mindless knits. And I just love the fact that they really helped me become confident and jump into making wearable garments. So um, I'm like, yay, my first cardigan. I made my first sweater with them. So I'm so, so excited. Cool. I'm like, I, it can stay cold in Chicago for another month. I don't care. It'll give me yeah, more yeah. time to make my Simone cardigan and to finish that. So yeah, hopefully by, by the time OML comes around, we'll have our projects finished and then we can show them to each other. Oh, you just threw down the gauntlet. <laughs> you just totally threw down a challenge. <laughs> Oh my God. Timeline okay. is on now. <laughs> yes. Yep, you got it. <laughs> I'm at least going to try to have my cardigan done, at least, because it's chunky. It's chunky, bulky wool, so I almost have no excuse. Well, I told you I'm flying to Vietnam in a couple weeks because, you know, I, so we bought, I relaunched the brand Namaste last year. Yes, yes. Um, and then we just bought or Della Q, who has done needle organizers, and she's mm -hmm. been around for 15 years. Um, she just handed the baton over to me. So we're taking on Della Q, and I get to go to Vietnam um, and learn how to, like, make needle cases. And we've got all kinds of, like, really cool ideas for doing cool stuff. So anyway, I'm going to have a lot of playing time, and I'm going <laughs> to finish my project. How phenomenal. And hopefully, again, I won't spill all the beans, but I know a lot of uh, of our community has sort of had some OML FOMO because our OML tickets this year went really quickly. Um, so we want to make sure that we do honor to those who may have some FOMO leading up to the event. So I won't, I won't spill all the secrets, but we may have some fun things <laughs> with you, with you and our, our followers on Instagram. So awesome. yeah, because I will go ahead and do a plug for you. The Namaste bags are Oh, thank you. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Really? Every thank you. Yeah, I I can't say and I'm not I'm not lying here. I can't say that there's been a day that I haven't taken my backpack with me since I got it. It's my oh, life now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it is my yeah. life. <laughs> 
I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take the white one with me because yeah. I'm gonna prove one that's my favorite color. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna prove that I can take this to because I'm going to LA tomorrow. Then I go to Dallas on Tuesday. Then I go to Hawaii on Monday. Then I go to Vietnam the following Tuesday. Then I'm gonna go back to Texas and then I go to Cleveland. And I'm like I'm gonna take that white backpack the whole way <laughs> and I'm gonna show everybody how nice and clean it looks. At the end. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I take my backpack everywhere with me whether it's maker related or not it it goes everywhere and i it makes me so happy because i haven't really been able to enjoy a backpack since i finished grad school so i had always been carrying tote bags um and they're you know being in chicago you walk a lot and it's just very abrasive by carrying heavy things on one shoulder and i was like gosh wish there was some place i could buy a backpack And I, and I never did. And five years later, I was like, a maker backpack? This is amazing. So um, all of the questions that I've got about it, like, how do you feel about it? How does it work? I'm just like, get it. Get it now. Get it now. <laughs> That's awesome. It's amazing. And everyone who I see story about it equally says the same thing. I love the functionality of it. So oh, thank you. Yes, I'm so excited to hear and to see everything that continues to happen with Namaste and now Della Q. I know it's going to be super exciting. And um, I'm just so honored that you'll be with us at OML. And I know that our attendees are going to be ecstatic to be able to have the chance to meet you and talk to you more. Well, thank you. I'm super honored. Thank you. So any, um, are there any last uh, thoughts that you want to share or any specific ways that people can find Jimmy Bean Wool? We'll, we'll probably share some captions on our blog with all of your handles and everything. But um. No, just, you know, as we talked about before, like, just keep being you, you be you, I'm going <laughs> to keep trying to be me, you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm so honored to be part of, like, this whole community, you know, it's, and I told you before, like, it's a little confusing to me, like, why you would even want to talk to me, because I'm just doing my thing, because <laughs> um, I'm total the one girl just, like, boss. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I'm like, oh my God, you guys are so cool. I'm like, really? They really want to talk to me? That's really cool. Um, So I'm just super excited to meet other people who are passionate about what we're doing. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of it. Yeah, well, awesome. And like I said, we'll make sure to share um, your website where people can find you at Jimmy Beans Wool and all of your social media handles. And again, the pleasure is all ours and all mine. And Please don't downplay yourself at all because you've built a wonderful brand with so many other great brands and has really brought, you know, an explosive growth to our community. So what you're doing is really honorable and you're doing very well at it. And I think it's very inspiring. And so I'm really glad that you were able to share some of the things because um, it's what a lot of us want to do, whether it's even in a smaller way uh, of just having a successful, you know, pattern shop uh, to think about ways that you're growing a business, a real viable business um, that is quite successful is really amazing. So I hope that's what listeners can take away of, like you said, keep doing you, even if that's EWE, <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep doing you, continue to educate and learn inside the maker community, outside the maker community, think intelligently about your money. Um, and don't be afraid to go out and see the world because it can be a great teacher. Yeah. So thank you so much for talking with me today. Oh, likewise. 
Jimmy Bean's Wool is owned by Laura, Doug, and Hook Zander. They're a local yarn store in Reno and online. I love to follow them and see all the amazing things that they offer and get a sneak peek into their crafty lives on the gram at Jimmy Bean's Wool. But please check them out at jimmybeanswool.com. And if you've got a compelling maker business or maker story that you want to share with OML podcast style, shoot me an email at jewel at ourmakerlife.org. Drop podcast in that email title and let's make it happen. OML is a knit and crochet movement for makers by makers. And I will see so many of you this July 20th in Canada's beautiful Calgary. I can't wait for those mountains for OML 2019, our fourth annual maker meetup event. Thanks so much for listening.